Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hebrews 11, 6. 
The Bible says this, He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews 11.6 We must seek the Lord. He rewards our faith as we come to Him diligently. Amen? Amen. And the triumph of faith. The Bible says God's given to every man a measure of faith. And that we need faith to come to Him and to receive from Him. Jesus at one point even said, if you just have the faith of a grain of a... So it doesn't take a whole lot. We just need to use it. Amen? Faith. But faith really and truly is not faith until it's been tried. You know, we look back at the Bible from the very beginning in Genesis. We look at the call of Abraham forward and we see God dealing with men and women throughout biblical history, always trying and testing their you and I are going to be no different. If it were up to you or I, we wouldn't go through trial. We wouldn't go through difficulty. Uh, it'd be smooth sailing for me. How about you? But we can't. That's not reality. You know, reality is, is our faith must triumph. And here we're going to see a wonderful lesson, a wonderful point in the Gospel of Matthew, really giving us an outline in, in miniature of how God operates in all of our lives, okay? Where was Christ most likely, church, to find faith? Would it be among the Jews or among the Gentiles? I want you to think about that. Where did Elijah find faith? These are the words of Jesus. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. When the sky was shut for three and a half years, there were there was a severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of those widows, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. Keep that in mind. Where did Elisha, Elijah's successor, find faith? Again, Jesus says, and there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha. He's the prophet, remember. Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. You know, circumstances were no different in the days of Jesus when he delivered his sermon in the synagogue in Nazareth. His message was utterly rejected. Remember that scripture? He came unto his own, but his own received him not. Does the rejection of our message today by society at large mean that our message is wrong? Absolutely not. Of course not. Jesus was rejected even in his own hometown. Among the religious elite, if you would. They got up. They drove him out of town. They took up him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But the Bible says in Luke 4.28 that he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Concerning his rejection by the Jews, the Apostle John says that he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But, as many as received him, to them gave he the authority or the right to become sons of God. Where are we with God today? Do we receive Jesus? Do we receive him? Do we believe in him and trust in him? Or we like the others who, who, who don't want to hear that word, don't want to hear that message. Where does Christ find faith today? Does He find it among those who've been serving Him the longest? Think about that. Or is it more evident among those who are new converts? Think about that. Does He find it among the old or among the young? You know, those who have served the Lord the longest, our relationship with Him should have caused our faith to mature. Amen. Should be greater today. My faith today is greater than it was when I started out. Amen. Come on. But is it always the case? 
point of the matter, Christ welcomes faith wherever he finds it. Do you hear me, church? He welcomes faith wherever he finds it. He delights in the strong, steadfast faith of mature believers. He rejoices in the exuberant faith of a young convert. He honors faith because faith honors him. He accepts his word as truth and acts upon it, and Christ will stand behind his word. He is and must be the object of our faith. It's not faith in faith that means anything. It's faith in Christ that means everything. Today we're going to talk about a woman of persistent faith. The Syrophoenician woman. She perfectly illustrates the truth that the Lord rewards those who diligently seek Him. Like Elijah and Elisha, Jesus found great faith outside of the borders of Israel. And He ultimately he responded to that faith. Before we begin, let's pray. Father, I thank You for the opportunity, Lord, to be here in the house of the Lord today, on this day. Lord, You're a great and mighty God. There is no one like You, Lord. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the faith that You've given to each of us. Lord, help our faith to grow and to develop in us. Lord, where there is no faith, Lord, plant Your seed into our lives and cause it to produce. Take the Word that You've put in us, Lord, and cause it to grow. Lord, that ultimately we may bear the fruit You so desire in us as Your people, as Your servants. Father, I ask for the anointing of Your Spirit without which I can do nothing, to minister your word here today to your people. Speak to us. Open up our understanding and build our faith. Help us to have faith that triumphs in this life. In Jesus' name I pray. Everyone said? Amen. Amen and amen. We'll look at three things today pertaining to faith and the triumph of faith. And number one, we'll see faith's petition. Matthew 15, 21. Scripture says this, Then Jesus went from there and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Now Tyre is, uh, it used to be a rock island in the Mediterranean, about three quarters of a mile from shore. It was later connected to the mainland in the time of Jesus. It had become one of the greatest commercial centers in the Mediterranean coast. Sidon, uh, this town was located on the Mediterranean coast, also about 20 miles north of Tyre. The cities seemed to go together as sister cities. And they were rivals for the leadership of the Phoenician Empire. Tyre and Sidon. You read that great scripture in Ezekiel concerning the king of Tyre. Uh, at one time, they each every dog has had, had its day. They ruled over the known world. Actually, the, the Phoenicians may have been the first to discover America long, long before Columbus. Uh, there's evidence of that. But uh, they built ships and rode by the sea. They were a Gentile land. They were also called Canaanites. They were the Canaanites. Remember when Abraham came into the land back in Genesis and he was told by God that he would displace the Canaanites and God would give him that land. It's in the modern nation today of of Syria. And as you know, as we've been teaching on Sunday mornings over the last 10 years at least about the things that have been going on in Lebanon and Syria and that area of the world, there's a lot of turmoil, but it's a Gentile place. And here in this part of Jesus' ministry, uh, you remember last week we talked about Jesus walking on the water in the faith of Peter and uh, uh, this is where he's headed toward. When he took the boat across that, that lake of Gennesaret, uh, that, that Jordan River, and, and crossed that six-mile path, well, he lands here. And it's no mistake that he goes to this place. Now, we remember and recall, if you were here last week, before the disciples got caught in the storm, Jesus saw them from a distance on the mountain. He was spending time with the Lord. I believe God uh, wants us to spend time with Him. Amen? Uh, that's where we receive instruction. We, we, we get direction. We, we, we get strength in our lives uh, as we walk in faith. 
Christ being no different, he lived as a man, not as God, though he was God, he lived as a man. He, he, he would get tired, he would need rest, and he would seek God and walk by faith, just like you and I do. We're not at his level yet, amen, but, but, but yet that's the pattern he set for us. And he, he was there on that mountain, I believe the Lord told him, you're going to go across the lake with your disciples. And there you're going to go to Tyre and Sidon. I don't think he did anything haphazardly. Matter of fact, I think at one point he said, I do nothing but what I see the Father do. Amen? So the Lord told him to go there outside of Israel. Think about this. He's the Messiah. To a place of Tyre and Sidon. And you're going to meet a woman there. Another place in the Scriptures, we know that he sat down by a well in Samaria. And a woman came and he said, Woman, draw me some water to drink. I'm thirsty. Do you believe that was a divine appointment? Absolutely. Or was that happen chance? Tony, does God set up divine appointments? Absolutely. Absolutely. And this was one. I did a little background search on this. We, we heard in Sunday school about Adam Clark and some of the men that they were talking about. This is a unique time in Jesus' ministry. He goes outside of Israel, out seemingly out of his way to those cities, Tyre and Sidon. We read of a few incidents there, and then there is, he comes back to Galilee, the long way, and there's no recorded instances after these miracles that he does for six months. He takes six months off, but he's not really taking it off. He's with his disciples. And that is probably the most important six months of their entire life. Can you imagine spending that much time with Jesus away from the crowds, being taught by Him, he imparting things into their lives that would ultimately be the foundation of His church. Giving them an understanding. He was showing them what they were to do. He was imparting into their lives things during that quote, silent period. And that's how God operates in us. He really does. How, remember, how many of you remember when you first came to the Lord? The exuberant, the excitement. You wanted to let everybody, you wanted to tell everybody what God is and who He is, what He has done for you. And then that tends to wane. And then you begin to pray, and you, it's like when you're a young believer, you start praying, it's like, boom, God's there. You know, you feel His presence. Amen? But as you go along, it's like, okay, Lord, I could use a little bit of that right about now. I could use a little some of that excitement that I used to have. Come on. Has God left you? Has He abandoned you? No, no. Faith is going to be tried. Faith that's not tried cannot triumph. That's your cue. Amen. So much say amen. Look at this here. And, and, and we see Jesus there at Tyre and Sidon, verse 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil, or she is tormented by a demon. A woman comes out on behalf of her daughter, who is being tormented by a demon. Now think about it for a moment. He's outside of Israel. Tyre and Sidon are hotbeds of demonic activity. They worship idols. They worship false gods. They sacrifice to demons. And here this woman had obviously either seen or heard Jesus doing miracles. Because remember, he landed, we talked about last week, then going to the other side, and people were bringing sick and lame and uh, deaf and dumb to him, and he was healing them. And she probably saw that. I'm assuming, guessing, I could be wrong. Text doesn't say specifically. But I got a daughter that's really got a problem. I've got a daughter that really needs help. 
I'm going to find Jesus. I'm going to bring. I'm going to ask Him to do something about it. How I many know that's a good thing? I mean, He is the one. He arrives, and He's approached by a woman, and and His response is astounding. It's one of the most astounding responsible responses in all the Bible. She's crying to him. She lays out her petition. Now I like how she approaches, and we can take note of this, Oh Lord, she was giving him respect. How did she know it was Lord? She didn't have a King James Bible, hello. She saw something that was different in him. Oh Lord, and then she cried up, Have mercy, your son, son of David. He's a Jew, she's not. She's recognizing the God of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this is the son of Jacob, the son of David. She's cried out for her. She's humbled herself. My daughter is grievously vexed with a demon. She's looking to him for help. I mean, it's good to take your... When you need help, it's good to go to God. Amen. Amen. I mean, He's the one we need to go to. How many of you have problems in your life? You don't have to raise your hand. You can just nod your head. How many got problems in your life? Seems like... What does the, the Scripture say? What is that, Kent? Many are the afflictions of the, the righteous... Amen. So, if you say you don't have any reflect any, any any afflictions, well, either you're lying or you're not righteous. <laughs> I don't know about you. I got a bunch of them, and they never seem to go away. I always have an affliction. Something's always I'm dealing with something. Always. Many are the afflictions of a righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of some of them. Isn't that what it says? Man? Oh, all of them. I'm sorry. I misquoted that. But that not that how we act? I mean, in reality, we act that way. You know, oh God, why? You know, I don't, you know. Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. But does he do it on your timetable? Does he do it when you want him to? Are you ever been like this sorrow? Have you ever cry out to the Lord? Oh, Lord, help me. That's my best prayer. I don't know about y'all. Somebody said, well, preacher, do you get up here and just lay out one of them long, flowery King James kind of? No, man, I just, my best prayer is, Jesus, help me, Lord. I did it again. I'm an expert at that. Hallelujah. <laughs> Those other kind of, they, they, they're for other you know, religious folks. I don't know. I just, please help me, Lord. Please help me. Cry out to Him. And you know what I found? He answers that prayer. Come on now. He answers that prayer. Not always when I want, but He does answer. But look at His response. That's what I want to see. Faith's testing. Faith, number one, we have to petition the Lord. Amen. She was showing faith. Was she not going to Jesus? That's faith. But now her faith would be tested. Let's look at verse 23. But he answered her not a word. Does that sound familiar to some of y'all? Can you relate to that? God, I've been asking, I've been crying out to you, I've been petitioning you, Lord, for these things for so long. I've been, Lord, just begging you to move on my behalf to help me, Lord, in this situation. But He doesn't answer me a word. He didn't say a thing. And His disciples came and besought Him, saying, Send her away. She keeps crying out after us. She wouldn't leave Him alone. Jesus! Remember blind Bartimaeus? Jesus! He kept crying at disciples. Hush up, man. Be quiet. You interrupted the master. Be quiet. Jesus! Thou son of David, have 
mercy on me. What did Jesus do? He had to go over there and just heal that man. Hallelujah. Come on now. What if he had been quiet? He might not have got what he was looking for. Come on now. Faith cries out. Faith says, I need to, I need to act. Faith isn't into that like, well, I have a silent prayer, you know. That's a redundant statement. You know, you know a silent prayer. That's sort of like jumbo shrimp. You know what I mean? <laughs> just, just something's wrong there. How many like jumbo shrimp? It's jumbo, but it's shrimp. I don't understand. <laughs> silent. I have a silent request. Well, what is your request? It, it, it's silent. Jesus said, when you stand praying, say, our Father who art in heaven. That would be. He didn't say thank you. What's a silent request? Meditation. A request prayer is, Lord, I need you. Hallelujah. Help me, Lord. I'm giving you several biblical examples here. Come on now. These people crying out. Do you ever cry out? Lord, I need to pay the electric bill this month. I don't have no funds in the bank. Lord, help me. Some of y'all look at me like, we, my wife and I, we've been there. Come on, remember that girl? Remember them early years? I need some diapers, Lord. We, the kids done run out. I don't have nobody. I need to. They kept me working all the time. Amen. <laughs> and me. That's right. Get Mama run around left and right trying to keep up with the little kids. Hmm. Cry out. But he didn't answer a word. She continued to to beseech, to besought. She besought them like King James, man. He messed your tongue right up on him. Besought them. Disciples, man, get her out of here, Lord. Send her away. Then he answered her. Look, verse 24. Look what he says. Look what he says. But he answered and said, I'm not sent unto, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Basically, I'm not here for you, woman. I've been sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He was stating his purpose as the Messiah. This woman could care less where he was sent. She just was in a trial and needed his help. Amen. And he was on a mission to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now think about this for a minute. Was that purposeful? Planned? What illustration was Jesus trying to get across? We're going to look at that in just a moment. And I want you to think for a moment. I'm sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but he's in Tyre and Sidon. He's in Syria. He's not in Israel. So if he was sent, she could have said, well, if you sent to the house of Israel, what you doing in my neighborhood? No, she didn't say that. She knew he could do something for her. What she was requesting, set my daughter She knew that, or she wouldn't have been bothering him, so to speak. But he was stating his purpose, and he was testing her faith. How many believe it would have been a hard thing for Jesus to do anything? Jesus went out of his way to go to this this where where she was and had a need and he had his twelve with him and he wanted them to experience and see this firsthand. Okay? Because this is going to reveal the nature and character of Christ. 
and, and his not just his word, but he, he speaks truth. I was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. We'll see the persistence of her faith. Verse 25. Then came she and worshipped him. I like that. She came to worship him. She had her priorities right. Amen. They was in line. She came and worshipped him. The greatest prayer in the Bible is spoken the next very next line. Look what she says. Lord. But they kept them as pets, much like we do today. 
And that's what he had in mind, is not one of those sitting at the table. You're not one of the inheritors of the promises of God, woman. You're just like one of the dogs. He was, what was he doing? Was he insult, trying to insult her? He was pushing. He was prying. He was trying to see what she was made of on the inside. What her faith, whether it would triumph or not. No, he knew, but no one else did. He knew. And he was prodding her. Look at verse 27. She said, true. True. I'm a dog. True. Well, put your thinking cap on. What does that speak of? on this woman's behalf. What does that reveal to us as we look at this text about this woman? Was she a proud woman? No. Was she bound by pride and arrogance? Did she come before God demanding He do something? Because, well, you know, I know who you are. Why don't you better do this for me? She said, I'm a dog. You're right. You as a believer, as a Christian, are at your best. And your best you're a best the best witness for God when you realize who you really are. I'm I'm just a sinner. Saved by grace. Apart from him, I can do nothing. You know, sometimes we think, well, I've been in, in, saved for so long, as I mentioned in my introduction, and I'm I'm a seasoned saint that I've been around. And actually, we're blind and don't even know. You know, sometimes the young convert is just like, Lord, I'm a wicked sinner. I don't deserve nothing, but thank you for saving me. Hallelujah. They got it right. Hello? Amen. Never lose sight of who you really are apart from Him. Yes, in Him we are His children. Amen. And we are the seed of Abraham. But she said, True, Lord, Yet even the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. She persisted in petitioning him for her daughter's healing and deliverance. She persisted. And ultimately that persistence would pay off. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Look at verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, Great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Oh, hallelujah. Woman, you're a dog. All right, I'm getting out of here. Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the... Jesus had to marvel at this woman's faith. Do you know that some of the greatest faith recorded in the Bible are from Gentiles, not Jews? And that's a shame to the Jewish people because they received the law and the prophets. But this woman had faith and it persisted and ultimately triumphed in getting her daughter healed of that demonic oppression and torment. Oh, hallelujah. Fourthly, we see faith's reward. Every time we go through a trial, we go through a dilemma or a situation that tries our faith, that tests us, that, that pulls on us, that, that, that we ultimately overcome and triumph, there's always a result of that. Somebody say amen. And faith always brings reward. Verse 29, the very next verse, Jesus departed from there. So what does that tell us? He went there just for her. He went there just for her. That's a strange way to treat somebody in the read. You go there, and he knew he was there for her. But he put her through some hoops, didn't he? Why didn't he just go up there and just, he healed? There's always a point to what he did and what he does. He can wave his hand over your life. And it'd be perfect if you so chose. But why does he allow the struggle? 
from the Lord on what to do next. And I believe that's what the Lord was telling him. He need to go spend time with your disciples and teach and impart and deposit into their lives these great truths. Open their understanding. Amen. He began to open their understanding as to what his mission was and ultimately what their mission would be. In verse 30, here's the result and the reward of faith. We see the afflicted being healed. And the crowds were amazed. Hallelujah. And great multitudes, verse 30, came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Hallelujah. They heard what he had done for the Syrophoenician woman. And how he set her daughter free. They had heard of the miracle of the loaves and fishes just a few days earlier. Maybe a week or so earlier. They heard what he had done. They had heard about his miracle of walking on the water. They had heard of him doing great things in people's lives. People began to come to him. You know, when God begins to hear things about what he's doing in your life, people will begin to ask. They'll begin to come. They'll begin to say, what, what what kind of God is this? I need to be here. I need to hear this. Amen. I want Him to move in my life. Verse 31. Inasmuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb speak, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. Oh, hallelujah. When they see God move, and when we see God move, it glorifies Him. He is the one that's lifted up. He is the one that's magnified. The Lord. It's God who is worshipped and exalted when we see Him move in our lives. And when we allow Him to move, when our faith triumphs, God is exalted and magnified. Hallelujah. Remember what we said in Hebrews 11.6 He that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. That may be the problem for a lot of us. We don't diligently. I mean, throw up a prayer 
And then when we hit a little opposition, or there's silence on the other, we, we, we just give up. Well, God must not be. And we lose out. We lose out. Amen. We must diligently seek Him. Do you remember the prayer that Jesus taught in the Gospels concerning the importunate woman? Do you remember that prayer? The importunate prayer. Concerning the loaf of bread. Oh, now, come on now. Late at night, the family's tucked in bed. They hear a knock at the door. Wife says, hey, somebody's knocking at the door. Husband says, hey, I'm in bed, I'm asleep. Just ignore it. Eventually they'll go away. says this, faith without works is 
Dead. We just read of a woman who had works. You know, Christ always responds to those who come to Him in faith. Always. The Syrophoenician Gentile was no different. What's the most moving account in the book of Revelation to you? Is it the great white throne? That's a moving account. Is it the sound of the many waters? The sea of glass mingled with fire? Is it the fourfold hallelujahs that rang out over the new Jerusalem? I don't think so. In my opinion, the most moving scene is found in Revelation 3.20. Jesus said this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and eat with him. Faith. God has faith. God has. Do you have faith? God's faith is in you to what? To open that door and to let it in. He's not. He's not. We we would do well to knock, pursuing Him. That church in Revelation had left its first love and had locked the Lord out of its life, their lives. And, and yet here He was knocking to come in. We need to knock, church. We need to be knocking on the Lord's door, amen, to let us in, to fellowship with Him. As we close, I want to give you a, a famous illustration that's true. And I want you to consider it for a moment. A famous heiress keeps her priceless collection of jewels in the vault of a large bank. One of her prized possessions is a very valuable string of pearls. <laughs> it is a scientific fact that pearls lose their original luster if they're not worn once in a while and in contact with the human body. Did you know that? That's a fact. So once a week, a bank secretary, guarded by two plain clothesmen, wears these priceless pearls to lunch. This brief contact with the human body keeps them beautiful and in good condition. Our faith is a lot like the pearl. It must be used in order to be useful. It must be worn out among the masses of mankind where faith and hope are also needed. Let's stand this morning. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.